Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm joined here for a second go-round of recording we had originally attempted two weeks ago. But uh, accompanying me for this remixed adventure is Stephanie Sabidlo. Hi! Peter Treisenberg. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> and Audra Bowling. Hi! So... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, a while ago we tried to record an episode about the Nintendo DS, but uh, due to audio issues on my part, we had to abandon that recording. So here is our second attempt to talk about the Nintendo DS, which, slightly shockingly to me, is the second most successful console of all time? And you know what they say, third time's a charm on recording things. Third time? No, no, that means we got to try again in another two weeks. <laughs> oh no! Don't jinx it. <laughs> okay. But back to the DS. Uh, that thing sold over 150 million copies. Uh, it's Nintendo's most successful console ever, and it had a lot of really good JRPGs and uh, visual novel-esque games. So we're gonna, today we're gonna just going to run through a list of our uh, favorite DS games and discuss them a little bit. We've done similar episodes on the, in the past on the GameCube, Super Nintendo, and Dreamcast. Uh, and what we're going to mostly focus on RPGs in particular, otherwise I will spend way too long talking about new Super Mario Brothers. So, um, Audra, what's the first thing on our sort of grand list here that you think we should discuss? Ooh, probably the Final Fantasy games. The 3 and 4 DS remakes, and is it 4 Heroes of Light? Yeah, 4 Heroes of Light. A.K.A. Bravely Zero. Yeah, uh... Four Heroes of Light was made by the uh, the team that worked on Bravely Default and Bravely Second, and it's a it's, it's a pretty good version of the uh, Final Fantasy class system. But uh, I've only played the little the very beginning of it. Uh, uh, Peter, you played through the whole thing though, right? Yeah, it's real it's really cute. Um, it's a bit more of a throwback to like the original Final Fantasy and like the NES era ones than it is if if, if Bravely Default's more going more for the sixteen thirty two bit style. Um. But yeah, it's 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 really good. It's it's very difficult. It's you're, you're going to have to do some grinding. The dungeons are pretty labyrinthine. They do they do the big boss rush thing at the end that uh, kind of drove me crazy. But the character art is really cute. It's got a really really bopping soundtrack with this great little chip these chip tune arrangements. The boss theme in particular is like one of my favorite video game songs ever. Um, yeah, in general, I think Four Heroes of Light was just one of those little like. Hidden gems on the DS. I really enjoyed it, and glad they kept it. Pretty late more. then, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was pretty late in the DS's life cycle. I think the effects were really nice. Like just in general, I really liked uh, the like low poly Nintendo DS 3D, and that game mm-hmm. really looked pretty for that. Yeah, they were going for this like pop up book aesthetic, and I think it worked pretty well. Yeah, yeah. The, the character models are pretty cute in that game. Uh, but I mean, for me, the draw was really the class system. Uh, uh, Peter, I think we mentioned this either in the previous recording or off air, but. Four Heroes of Light sort of feels like Final Fantasy three, and Bravely Default feels kind of like Final Fantasy five yeah. in terms of the of like the sophistication of the class system. But yeah, but, but, in Four Heroes of Light, you you, you like switch out their hats. Yeah, it's it's the crown system officially. I think there's even like a a monarch class where you get to be a king or something. It's a it, that's it's, pretty it, neat. Yeah, it's, it's a very it's cute. Good to be the king. Yeah, it's it's a very cute way of handling that. It's good to be the king. <laughs> Well, uh, I just can't wait to be king. Is there is there a, is there a piss boy class oh in F- Final Fantasy IV: Heroes of Light? A what? Okay, I, I guess you're not understanding the uh, um, history of the world part one reference that Audra and I were making. Okay. 
You say piss boy? Yeah. Have you, haven't you seen? For, um, oh my god, no. Ha, have, you haven't seen History of the World Part One? I have not. <laughs> the, the, they're gonna ex- they're they're gonna um, resist and execute the king, and the king realizes he looks just like his piss boy, so they switch roles, uh, Prince in the Popper style. You don't understand, piss boy. Come on, <laughs> I'm definitely cutting that out of the podcast now. No, please don't. <laughs> but, the, uh, but all right, but the uh, but yeah, Four Heroes of Light. Um, I, I didn't finish it. I got I did get to the plot point where you uh, where it briefly turns into Persona Five, and you have to enter someone's soul to. Uh, to get, destroy the evil within it, but uh, and it sort of backfires. That, that, that was a that was an interesting uh, story element, but I barely remember anything else from that game. It, it um it, it I don't think it had as much personality as Bravely Default as much as we can you know hate on characters like Ring a Bell and Agnes, but uh, I think you told me that the one thing they carried over was just the merchant, right? Yeah, there's the yep. merchant. The merchant character is in uh, Bravely and Four Heroes of Light, and he's like a super boss in in Bravely at one point, I think. I think he's a super boss in Four Heroes too. Maybe um, maybe he's that's a, become a kind boss. of a series tradition. Yeah, maybe he's a super boss in all of them. Uh, but uh, Four Heroes of Light is a standalone game that uh, borrows a lot of fan- Final Fantasy ideas, but it's not a straight up Final Fantasy game, unlike Three and Four, which had remakes on the DS. And that uh, that Final Fantasy Three DS remake was the first time officially North America and Europe got that game. Although I tried and mostly failed to play uh, <laughs> an NES emulation version of that in the early two thousands. But uh, but it's it's rough. But uh, in in the remake, uh, they give the char- the characters actual names and personalities. It's, it's just four onion kids in an FF3 Ness. They made them like full fledged characters in yeah. the yeah and the yeah, DS one in different areas. And so their designs are very contemporary looking too. <laughs> yeah, I remember being so impressed by the dual screen the screen the dual screen opening at the start of it. Oh yeah, that opening rocks. I watched it every time. Yeah, I was just so amazed. <laughs> I love the opening. Yeah, there's a lot of good music in Final Fantasy III. The uh, um, that one's oh, really underrated, actually. There's that uh, what is it? It's like Melody of Wind or something. The the uh, the the Overworld theme. Uh, yeah, it's her- Eternal yeah. Wind or Eternal Wind. Yeah, yeah that's a, that, that's a really really good Final Fantasy song. It was yeah. really, really nice to have a chance to play that on the DS. I know I'm... Was it ever released here previously? I don't think so, right? No, it was not. No. Mm-hmm. It was Japan only. And they actually did give the script like a lot of flavor that wasn't there before. Um, I remember the only thing I really, really hated about it was the dungeons, because they were big, long, and very, very, very difficult sometimes. Yeah, the final dungeon could be pretty Yeah, tricky. they were mean. You mean the trio of final dungeons with, <laughs> uh, with five bosses at the very end, and I think one boss near the middle. There's some games that really love to punish you, and definitely a lot of NES games were, uh, were yeah. part of that. It's, it's a bit of a Dragon Quest II moment, where just the end game slog is a little bit much, and it's probably because it's adapted from a NES game, and, you know, n- people want hard games, but they don't want NES hard most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, the difficulty seemed reasonable. They made the, the like... They retained a lot of stuff from the NES Final Fantasy III, especially like the weird multi-hitting stuff that FF1, 2, and 3 did. But uh, it, it um, And they also retained the weird MP system where you basically just have a separate MP bar for each tier of magic instead of an M- H- HP MP straight up. Yeah, you have like charges for spells. And they also did one thing that I'm glad they've gotten rid of. Whenever you change classes in Final Fantasy III, there's a, a period of of getting used to your new class where you have reduced stats and, re- and reduced MP for a few, t- for a few battles. Yeah. It's like, oh, the... yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, I like the realism of it, but in practice, it sounds no. awful. 
in, in practice, you instantly want to go back to the FF5, FF tactics, just change your job kind of system. Yeah, it's just like a... Me it's, Let me change my job. It, it's almost like a summon sickness mechanic in a card game. It's just yeah. kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but what they do with the uh, new storyline is pretty good. They make like They sort of rewrote different segments of the plot to... Maybe give like one of your four party members more dialogue than usual or something. It's it's they they take the new characterization and the adjusted mm-hmm. plot uh, reasonably seriously and it's um it, yeah. it, it's an enjoyable game. I think I think the only really part where you suffer is uh, maybe the uh, the end game dungeons and some of the um, some of the online mechanics because there's there's like uh, DS near field technology that was like an early version of street passing that you could do for some <laughs> for some post game stuff and that. I don't know if it'll work anymore since the DS servers are down, but that wasn't great in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a bunch of Iron Giant stuff to get the uh, to get the best weapon for every job. Oh god! And uh, and no, onion, and uh, and uh, onion super equipment I think is also you can also get that that way. Oh yeah. But I did uh, not do that. I think the onion class the uh, like it is the best one, right? Sort of, no, well, no. The onion class is your starting class. It's the freelancer class. But the uh, at the very, very end game dungeon, and I think maybe mm. with some online means, you can get un, uh, onion equipment, which is the strongest equipment in the game by an enormous margin. But only onion kids can equip it. Oh, um, I see. So it's yeah, the yeah. sort of default. Okay. And uh-huh. I and I, I, th- I, I think they might have. <laughs> I, I gave up the game in that final gauntlet. <laughs> And uh, w- when they bring back on the Onion Kid job in other games, it's always something like that. It's like they suck, but Onion Equipment's great. Or uh, I think in Final Fantasy uh, Tactics, um, War of the Lions, it's like, a t- it's like a really, really terrible job. But if you level it up all the way, it, it-, it goes from having terrible stats to amazing stats. It's, it's-, it's, a-, it's a mechanic like that. Where it's a it's a super I job. I like the design of them too. Yeah, yeah, I love the little, the little onion helmet with the onion with like the onion uh, bulb coming out of it. <laughs> it was always weird. Was that um, I always thought it was weird that like the the Final Fantasy three DS crew never got any uh, representation in Dissidia. So in, instead, they just did the, the uh... Onion Knight, like who was just like. Well, um, well, because they're. I mean, didn't that game come out before? No, no, no. The, the no, three, the City remake, came yeah, out two, like two years later. Yeah, so instead of instead of making it Luneth or whatever, they just went straight with the original NES and just went Onion Kid. Kind of, kind of like having Warrior of Light from FF1. Right, but it's still just kind of funny because, you know, like, okay, Warrior of Light, okay, sure, whatever, fine. But then you have, um, and uh, Gar- uh, Garland is his counterpart, but then they brought in the Onion Knight and Cloud of Darkness and they basically just made... Cloud of Darkness, but, a big titty goth girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, but both of those are true to their NES versions, so it's not. That's like, true. It's, it's not like they're being inappropriate. It's just. I know it's just they, funny in hindsight. I think. I think Re- they did make Lunith uh, like his coloring. Well, that's oh, based on well, his coloring. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe because in the in the original NES version, the, the the three onion kids do have different coloring color colorizations when they're in their onion class. So it might, it might I don't know I don't know but in Dissidia they did have a bunch of uh, different costume options for every character so they could have they could have put in Luneth or a different NES color scheme I'm not I'm not sure I would say Reefia did get a World of Final Fantasy cameo I thought that was cute <laughs> Yeah I liked her in that <laughs> It's like they pick and choose what canon they're paying attention to Yeah sort of and they and they're just ignoring the FF3 canon outside um after 1990 <laughs> It's sort of funny how like Final Fantasy four, um, like the PSP one and the DS one, kind of differ on that as well. Yeah, they must be like two separate versions, really. Yeah, they they really are. Um, F- the FF four PSP version was just a 
a cleaner version of the GBA remake, basically. It was, it was still the same pixel graphics with maybe a, an extra dungeon or extra content here and there. But in F- FF4DS, it's a whole different game. Uh, that whole... Oh, what were they called? It wasn't called junctions, but they they had a system where you could where you could equip augments. Yeah, augments. Yeah, augments. Yeah, yeah. You could you could equip abilities to your characters, and uh, when characters leave their party, sometimes they would leave back behind their augments, so you could give uh, like monk abilities to anyone if you uh, if you equip Yang with some augments before he leaves permanently. And it doesn't have any of the stuff from the GBA remake, like none of the uh, new Mono Reels mm. stuff and none of the uh, post game. But it, it does have a couple new optional bosses of, that are all its own, which it's funny because, like, yeah, neither version of 4 is really definitive. Yeah. Like, f- the 4 four about PSP, I think, is probably the closest to the original version. But um, the, the sort of big sprites on that are so pretty, too. Mm-hmm. All that PSP stuff that they released, you know, not to throw shade when we're talking about the DS stuff, but uh, they did a really good job with the PSP. No, they four... did a good job with both of them, actually. Yeah, they're, like, they're both like great they games. Some of the dra- yeah, they enhanced the drama of a lot of the DS moments with the like active cutscenes. I love the... Uh, again, once again, I gotta give props. The the CG intro in 4DS is amazing. Oh, so it's one good. of my favorites. Oh, I love yeah, that one. The, uh, and, and the main character art outside of the game is is really stunning. It's like it's like yeah. amazing-looking versions of like Cecil, Rosa, Rydia. Um, but mm-hmm. but uh, Steph, you're mentioning the like the, drama- the added drama to the scenes. They really go hard on the on like the camera in the FF4 remake. Yeah. Like, like like when Kane's brooding, it'll have the camera sort of like like rise up on him, and uh, mm-hmm. and it makes the uh, the transformation scene from Cecil from Dark Knight to Paladin maybe even more powerful. It's it's a uh, it's and the voice acting is surprisingly robust mm-hmm. in it. It's uh, it's which an, I like. It's not, I think it's not like the first really dramatic game. Like they really push the story hard in that one. Um, yeah, the other ones are kind of more your standard save the world fair, but this feels more like a character drama. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. FF two tried, but it, it didn't really succeed when it, while FF four no. did. I think the, the intro, the intro to Golbez in the DS version um, is really cool, just in how it uses different camera tricks like Dutch mm-hmm. angles and crap. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it does use Dutch angles? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's crazy how they they really attempted to do a, a, a like a fully 3D cinematic version of FF4 and uh so like the voice actors really got to flex when they're working with the low poly models. Yeah. Mm, Liam, Liam O'Brien, my boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the one other thing I remember from the FF4 DS version is uh the difficulty can get pretty high uh especially if you set the speed high because basically yeah. uh basically the the speed setting affects enemy actions and your own meter. So uh, if you set the speed to the highest setting to save time, like I was, then enemies in the final dungeon will be like doing uh, attack all murder murder moves like every few seconds. So <laughs> I, I played the game at the highest speed setting for most of the game, but at the paths of the core, I went back to a medium setting. It's yeah, it's it. it you can really ratchet up the difficulty that way. Yeah, it's yeah, rough. Speed. Yeah, that one was pretty hard too. I remember the early Final Fantasy games were pretty tough. Yeah, I remember the moon having a lot of hard difficulty. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. good. I don't think of it as hard anymore. Maybe because I played FF4 so many times. But I, I just remember like the speed setting really affecting it, at least in the DS version. Maybe also in the other versions. But that's where I remember it most closely. 
Uh, but anyway, that's enough Final Fantasy talk. Let's uh, talk about the same thing I went 90 minutes on last week. Uh, Dragon Quest had a had a you had a yeah the ds was a really kind to the dragon quest series yeah and we uh, even got it too we got a few that we didn't get before didn't we yeah um we had never gotten five or six before uh i I say we as in north america and europe the whole non-japan english-speaking world uh the the ds versions of five and six were the first time they had international releases and we also had dragon quest four dragon uh as a re-release dragon quest nine as an original release uh at least one dragon quest monsters game and uh, also, at least one other spin-off game, uh, Dragon Quest Rocket Slime, the weird, Zel- goofy, Zelda-like game with tank battles. That game rules. Uh, and it's the second game in the trilogy, and the only game in that trilogy we got, which I'm a little bit salty about. Uh, but uh, They're doing their best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they, were, they were unsure about how much Dragon Quest to localize in this era. Uh, I think Square Enix published 4 and 5, and then Nintendo published 6 and 9. And Six's localization was a little bit uh, late because of the handoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not always easy to pin down um, the new versions of those because I think, I think one of, like, some of them got limited releases, either five or six or both. But they're really, really good. And maybe the definitive versions of each of those games. Uh, the Dragon Quest V has a lot of new content and doesn't look as pretty as the PS2 version. But you have four uh, characters in your party instead of three, which is the worst part of the of original Super Famicom uh, Dragon Quest V. Have any of you guys played any of the Dragon Quest uh, DS games? I played DQ9. You can't play it the same way ever again because that game had a lot of online features. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And DS Online is dead, unfortunately. South and Pacha. Okay, okay, Ezio, calm down. <laughs> I played uh I played five six um and nine um I have four but I haven't touched it um it's been sitting in in my case waiting to be played. I have all of them on my backlog. I have all of them and perhaps unsurprisingly I've played all of them. Uh, we even played Dragon Quest V uh for the podcast two years ago and that was the, and that was me replaying the DS version. But uh, these are the best or near or almost the best versions of each of those games, at least 4, 5, and 6. And I think they're all strong Dragon Quest games, although like 5 is my favorite and I would probably call 6 the weakest of the three. But they're, uh, they're good if you're at least Dragon Quest curious. And the... Um and, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of spin-offs like I mean Dragon Quest Monsters people love the DS Joker game but I am not into that series deeply at all. What's the, what's the big gimmick with Joker compared to the actual mainline? Oh no, I think it's I think it's just the continuation of the mainline. Um but the Dragon Quest Monsters games are you uh you recruit and collect monsters, level them up in their own classes and then fuse them with other monsters to create more powerful ones. It's 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 Pokemon Megami Tensei. Yeah, it's it's a, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's Pokemon with a uh, with fusion and a lot of monsters that uh, that were like only in one Dragon Quest game or ones that are unique to the Dragon Quest Monsters subseries. I didn't get deeply into the DS ones though. I, I the, the the last one I played. They're bringing was... that series back though, aren't they? Like yeah, they are. They, they announced with Eric. Yeah, yeah. They well, announced a new Switch one. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a new there's a Switch one coming, and I think they re, they did 3DS remakes of the uh, of the Game Boy Color ones. So so they've They've always uh, those might be Japan only though. Uh, yeah, they, we didn't get those unfortunately. Yeah, yeah they, they, that series has been going pretty strong since 1998. But the uh, but it, it's I mean it's not, it's basically Dragon Quest Pokemon and it's not Pokemon. I'm not going to say it's. <laughs> I, I don't love the Dragon Quest Monsters subseries, but there's there were some good ones in the DS. I'm, I'm I'm into the concept because just monster collecting is my jam. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> and, yeah, uh, the DS was really good to uh, the Pokemon series as well. So I mean, yeah, we got three generations or three and uh, two and a half generations on the, yes. on the DS. Yeah, 
and like Heart Gold Soul Silver are still like some of the highlights of the series. I love Gen Five. Really I just played good, yeah. black and I just played white white version recently. I I love the main story in black and white. It's it's maybe the best Pokemon main story just because. I mean, I mean, the twist at the end is strong and is a great character, and the gimmick of uh, someone wanting to free all Pokemon from captivity is, I, I think, sort of fun and subversive. <laughs> Plus, oh man, that that sprite work is just sublime. Like the Gen Five sprites look so good. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's great to see how they've gotten so much better at doing that too. You know, compared to the first round and just slightly better hardware. But no, those, those games are really pretty, and I'm glad they chose uh, Gold and Silver because those ones deserve the update. They're really good games. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I hate you to might... say the Game Boy held it back a little bit, but... Well, you might say it's even the best Pokemon generation, right, Peter? I, I, I think we mathematically proved that was the case. <laughs> Indeed, we did. <laughs> was, uh, was there a big difference between Black and White 2? Uh, yes. Um, it's a sequel. It's, got a, it's a new story. Oh, okay. Black and White 2 has a really, really good end game. Uh, like, you can do a Pokemon World tournament and fight every gym leader in Pokemon history up to Gen 5. Yeah. And, uh, and all the champions in Gens 1 through 5. Uh, that, that was fun. And the, they changed the gimmicks for all of the gyms, and I think that the, the gyms in Black 2, White 2 are really good. But it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the main story thrust with N and Getsis, and, uh, and, and w- which was that team? That wasn't Team... Uh, team, team Plasma team was Plasma. the uh, okay. uh, black and white one. Okay, Plasma Galactic, and white. Team, team Galactic was in uh, Gen 4. Right, right. Okay, so Diamond and Pearl was Team Galactic. But yeah, the, the, the black, white, one, two storyline was great, and the and the black, white, two uh, gems and endgame were great. But they're, they're different games straight up. And it, it, and I also played White 2 before, uh, b- before playing Black 1, and that was a, a probably a mistake because... Uh, they like if you if you experience Pokemon for the story, then even one percent, then Black One is then Black White is way better than White Two than Black One. Ugh, excuse me. Then one then one <laughs> is better than two. Awful. Yeah, then one is better. The then the first ones are better than the second ones. But yeah. uh, but if you're into sort of Pokemon End Game Challenge stuff, then uh, then then this Black Two White Two is better. But going back a generation, I mean, I I had a lot of attachment to uh, Diamond and Pearl because I got Pokemon yeah. Diamond uh, right when I started a uh, a job as a night watchman, and I played an unbelievable amount of Pokemon sitting in tr- <laughs> sitting in a truck in the dark. Um, and that was around oh five oh six whenever those games came out. But uh, yeah, I, I ended up getting a Pokedex around uh, around f- I think 485 or so when it's uh, when that uh, that generation's Dex was 493, and I remember those numbers because that was the last time I got really deep into the collection aspect of Pokemon. And, and I mean the the storyline and setting isn't great for Gen 4, but I loved that they. I mean, I mean you you got online battling and trading in that game. Finally, <laughs> that, that's that is was astounding at the time and seems like a requirement now. Yeah, really. And of, of course, I mean it's and the follow-ups in Gen Four to Diamond and Pearl were Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which are again maybe the most beloved generation of Pokemon and an extremely good representation of that. Mm-hmm. I actually never played any of the Gen Four games, um, oh. and at this point, I'm probably just going to hold out for a uh, for a uh, remake if when they do that. Feels like it's going to happen. Yeah, at some point. I mean, I mean, maybe <laughs> I. Uh, I, I, I like Gen Four is very important to me because of how much I played it and because I could play it online for the first time. But it's one of the more forgettable generations, setting and story wise. Uh, yeah. Even though, even though I love I love my uh, Chimchar and my Turtwig deeply. That's but having cute starters isn't enough. Um, <laughs> there was there was also that uh, that weird um, 
uh, Oda Nobunaga Pokemon Conquest game. That oh I... yeah, she, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm, Pokemon... I'm, I'm still amazed that exists a little bit. <laughs> Pokemon spin off so good. Pokemon they Conquest never give them like a second life sometimes. Yeah, there was even the Pokemon Rangers spin off that uh, mm -hmm. you needed to play to get a Manaphy, and you bet your ass I played that to get a Manaphy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the Mystery Dungeon fun. games. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, the Mystery Dungeon games, those are a spin-off of the uh, Mystery Dungeon games. They actually started out as Dragon Quest spin-offs, but now they've had a bunch of Pokemon ones over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, no, uh, that Pokemon Conquest game was really dope. Like, uh, just the whole idea of like, yeah, you're conquering medieval Japan with Pokemon in a strategy <laughs> RPG. <laughs> and it's well, amazing. Oda, I'm going to be there. <laughs> Oda Nobunaga has a shiny Rayquaza and a Mewtwo. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I actually do like it seems to spin off like like there's a lot of like fan art stuff like that where you got like uh they draw pokemon versions of uh pop stars and give them a pokemon that seems suitable like it's yeah, just that, fun to do that that thing. is like the that game is like the video game equivalent of someone's fan art yeah <laughs> <laughs> someone yeah totally daydreamed this up and they have a good enough position and uh i guess nintendo to pitch it they were like do it yeah, do it. Fun day. <laughs> and then that is maybe the most analyzed and studied period of Japanese history. The uh, you know, the the, the, Nobu, the Nobunaga into Tokugawa stuff is uh the the Warring States Sengoku period is mm -hmm. it, it, in I don't know if revered is the right word, but it's a uh, studied to it Comes hell up a lot. Yeah, it's studied to Helen back in Japan. So, if they were like, to, if they were to make a historical fiction Pokemon game, that would be the time. I know he's a. I know Nobunaga is like a a, a boss in um, Neo. He might. I think he might actually show up in Sekiro somewhere. I don't even know. Maybe. I, <laughs> but, mean, yeah. I mean, he was considered like his like thirst to control and unify all of Japan has been sort of considered like the the ultimate in conqueror's ambition sort of thing. Like, and and that was and there wouldn't be a modern Japan without his ambition. But he was also kind of a monster in trying to do so. So they they've yeah. again again he's been studied a lot by <laughs> Japanese scholars, and I, I wouldn't even attempt to analyze it in the Pokemon con in a Pokemon context. But yeah, like I mean, if you th think of the Pokemon universe as having you know Pokemon existing as partners with humans throughout, then there would technically be you know. Pokemon Samurai, Pokemon Industrial Revolution. You could do Pokemon anything, and they went with uh, they went with Sen Sengoku era that, Japan. Pokemon Indust uh, Industrial Revolution. That's where the uh, Galarin Weezing uh, came into being, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with his little smokestack hat. Mm -hmm. Smokestack, sure. That's what he looks like. Well, you know what? Mm -hmm. uh, what these games are for children. So yes. <laughs> Sure. Uh, but okay, enough about uh, Pokebongs. Uh, what else do we have in this list we want to address? <laughs> Did any of you guys play, uh, what is it, Solitarobo? Oh. I've, I've heard good things about that game, yeah. I've heard I about it. it. But... Oh my god, I love this game. Yeah, so I feel like there's two of them, and they just kind of feel similar in style, but there was a Soma Bringer, which was done by. Was that, wasn't that Monolith it was, stuff? It was Monolith, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, like, one thing I loved about uh, Solitarobo and Somabringer is they used a lot of these hand-drawn graphics, and they kind of did, like, a very nice cartoony style with it. Again, kind of nicely incorporating 3D models with 2D, 2D backgrounds. But both these games were really, really fun. Uh, they, they were pretty, like, loose, uh, like, pretty fast-paced and loose uh, action RPGs, actually. Uh, but they really develop a really pretty world. They have amazing music and pretty big and epic stories, too. Sadly, we didn't see Soma Bringer, but I played it. 
through methods. Um, and <laughs> Soul Trouble was like one of the last big things I think XC did for the DS. And same with that, it's really good. Um, I hate to say it, but if if you're a furry, then the game will totally win you over because it's all yeah. The, the main the main character designs. yeah the main character here is a little bit mascot esque, but uh, but yeah anthropomorphic it's, it's anthropomorphic a, animal it's a sequel designs. It's to Tail Concerto. I mean, that's so weird that they would bring it up again. Some and, years the, later. and it and this it's developed by CyberConnect, which are the people that did like Dot Hack and a bunch of anime fighting games the that pedigree I, so, actually some shows of, just some of which how I've smooth played. that game plays. It's a really good game. If you can hunt it down, it's one of those games that is a ridiculous ridiculously expensive price right now. You might be looking at like hundred dollars for a copy. Yeah, there are some what? rare DS games out there. That yeah. got yeah, and it's actually starting to get pretty bad with the uh, 3DS now too. So, yeah, the, the ones ones on. that had that had uh, you know an, a significant demand and uh, sort of a limited release that that'll happen because they they I, I think they're getting better and better about making games more available now, especially since uh, you can get a digital version ninety percent of the time with a new release. But in, <laughs> in they, we were not there yet at all in the, oh D, in the DS era. Yeah. I just checked out Amazon. It's three hundred twenty nine dollars. Awesome! Oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. So, but it's yeah. a brand new copy. But you know, I, I think whenever we uh, post about Solo to Robo on social media, there's always like thirty people that love it. So it's uh, so it definitely had its audience, and it's probably uh, a significant it's Venn diagram. So underrated. With... There were so many games that played with such good polish on the DS. Like there was mm-hmm. no load times. The action, even if it was simple, just played pretty well. Like they did really good with the very basic control screen scheme and the dual screens. Like the DS was a hidden gem machine. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it was so popular. Again, the, the thing sold 150 million copies worldwide, and uh, and also game development <laughs> wasn't quite as expensive back then. It also like, tanked a lot of developers, I feel, because yeah. it was also one of the biggest pirated systems, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe more than one person in this panel has uh, pirated DS games back in their, uh, no. back in their day. Uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you're talking about, sir. <clears throat> Damn it. <laughs> hey, I, I totally bought a copy of Super Prince, Princess Peach. Absolutely did. I did not. But uh, what I mean, if, Sol- if, if Solo Tolo Robo is uh, popular enough, maybe it'll get a Switch port. Wink, wink. Oh, my God. Ooh, that would that. Be we are neat. not. We are not switch port begging on this podcast. I apologize. We are gonna. <laughs> we are gonna switch port beg for every single game on this list. No, we, we we did an entire feature of switch port begging, so that's enough for now. Um, but here we got here, one of them too. We got Xenoblade. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got yeah, we got Xenoblade. Uh, but Xenoblade Chronicles X when? And oh, and we also got a uh, uh, Tokyo, Mar- Tokyo Mirage sessions. I love it. I love it. Oh I love God, it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Anyway, off so, yeah. topic. Direct, directs make me happy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 We're the, just the, talking the, about nothing but good news today. Yeah, the, the, huh. the, the, the Nintendo can always, you know, ex, uh, energize their flock of sheep just by mentioning a couple games offhand. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but the uh, but okay, back to the DS, which we're supposed to be talking about. Mm, um, brands. And speaking of games that got bad Switch ports, how about the world ends with you? We did a oh, yes. We did a we did a couple episodes on on, on this podcast in okay, 2016. Was the, was the Switch port was the Switch port of uh, of Twelve supposed to be bad? I I, it's I was not, kind of debating picking it up. It's but. not great. It's it's based on the mobile version, and it's uh it's it's kind of janky. But I mean, if you don't have a DS, that might be the better way to play it over over a mobile. Device. 
What if you like could like were really did not like how it played on DS? <laughs> uh, maybe this could be for you. you yeah, it's... you start going like cross-eyed, but the other way, you know, where you start looking up and down at the same time. And I did that thing, Bill. I, I did that thing, Bill Skarsgård can do with his eyes in the in it. Where you just like <laughs> they just go like in opposite directions. Um, it's actually pretty cool when you do get into it. And like, I remember the game gives you like a whole bunch of ways to affect the difficulty, like the more kind of icons that you click or something. Yeah. I but, what it was, and you earn better rewards for the harder difficulty. Like, I do love that kind of, uh, level scaling stuff. Yeah, you can equip pins mm-hmm. that, uh, that put more limitations oh, yeah. on you and, the, and that'll increase the, uh, like the, the reward drop rate for rare stuff in the game. Yeah. And, and um. And it gets pretty intense. Like, some of the fights yes. at the end are absolute chaos, so it's so weird what you start getting used to with it. Yeah, and, uh, they, they change your partner character with every chapter, so, like, you have to deal, you have to deal with, like, a new gameplay style every, I don't know, every eight to ten hours. And that, yeah, uh, that, that, yeah. And then that that uh, messed me up yeah. a little bit, especially in chapter three, where I think you get the least interesting partner. Uh, but the uh, uh, the world ends with you has uh, I think some of the most interesting shopping in any RPG that I've played because it takes uh, it takes its fashion and like pin and an accessory customization very seriously, and it and it really wants to capture I love the music too. It gives like yeah. each place a new kind of attitude and like a wide range of eclectic music that was you know kind of in at the uh, time. I love like, pop rap. Yeah, it's got got lots of interesting pop and and hip-hop. They're trying to sort of celebrate the Akibahara district of Japan, or Akihabara. I'm I'm probably saying it wrong. But the the AKB district of Japan, that's uh, that's sort of very trendy and also sort of the, uh, like the, you know, the uh, anime and video game hub of Tokyo. It's uh, it's a really interesting game. I still don't love it because I think that it's, uh, I mean, uh, Tetsuya Nomura designs make me involuntarily twitch sometimes. (laughs) And uh, that, that one's pretty Max uh, Nomura too. Yeah, like it's, it's got these it's very real, real, people in it. It's really, really Nomura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is it? Neku's wearing like a giant tur- sleeveless turtleneck or something like that. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to check a, an image for reference. With zippers. He's got headphones. He's got big <laughs> headphones that are about big the size of his head. Yeah, yeah Shiki big... is like the size of a toothpick, you know, around the waist. <laughs> Yeah, um, skinny people with huge hands and shoes with unusual fashion choices. That's that's Nomura too. But I I remember like uh, oh I did love the enemy design where it like kind of merges uh, animals with tattoo artistry. Like yeah, that was kind of tribal. Really neat looking. Yeah. Tattoo. Yeah. yeah so they, it actually looked really like, interesting. Yeah, they're they're noise. So is, is what they're officially called. I think so. There's kind of like like cave paintings. Uh, with like you know, sort of like jagged sound frequencies with normal th- items like animals or like animals or people. It's it, it was a really interesting uh, game, but I think that the the audio and visual design and then the and then the unusual dual screen gameplay is what's really uh, important about that. So that's the world ends with you. We did uh, two episodes on it uh, a few years ago, so you can dig through the archive and, and yeah, yeah, if you can play it, it is really good. Like I do love mm-hmm. uh, for how cold they start the character. He really warms up later, which is. His yeah. character development is probably one of my favorites. I he's think a, so. He's a bit of a jerk at first, and oh, he's uh, a big pisshead at first. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he actually really opens up and kind of helps other people with their problems. He's a point. little squall. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the whole game is weird, man. <laughs> it's like one of the few games that I've played like four times, and I forget the storyline like five minutes after I beat it completely. <laughs> gone it's, it's all the time compression man no it's it's, 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 it's releasing... <laughs> i just remember fighting some uh, hockey players <laughs> it's, it's really... you know it's implanting guardian forces in your brain and they're taking up your memory everyone's got gf problems man mm-hmm. yep but but really the one true gf is norg <laughs> 
Okay, that game is not on the DS, so we are not going to discuss that much further here. Uh, uh, what's another game on our list that we should bring up? Uh, we got to talk about bad character designs. Uh, we should talk about the Devil Survivor games. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> okay, really good games I am, with terrible I am, art. Okay, I think I actually really do like that artist. Dorara is a cool series, and uh, their, their art is, if nothing else, very distinctive. But the one girl in Devil Sur- in both Devil Survivor games, the main girl has like boobs filled filled with helium that are like pointing to the stratosphere. But <laughs> up, like they look up. <laughs> it's like that is if you're drowning the character art in those games is uh <laughs> their own um bag of tricks it's got it... great style yeah but then like this this one thing this one giant thing really sticks out <laughs> but i mean as games they aren't bad i i only played the i only played the 3ds remake of the first one for a little bit but it's a, a mm-hmm. pretty it's a pretty competent strategy rpg yeah. with uh with smt flavor in it Oh, I was gonna Survivor. say, yeah, does it follow, like, like a whole uh, doomsday idea, I guess? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, a, it's a doomsday idea, and there's some choice involved, like, do you side with this character or that character, or travel to this point or that Multiple point? Multiple endings and everything, too? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's, um, <laughs> I, 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 I never I never finished the one I played, although I did put some time yeah, into I it. Yeah, I think there's multiple routes and endings. Yeah, and then the 3DS adds the, uh, the eighth day scenarios, which expand mm-hmm. on the story, for depending on which route you go for. Um, I'd also, uh, Devil Survivor 2 is awesome, because it's basically um, Shin Megami Tensei Evangelion. <laughs> like, your characters join a clandestine organization um, and fight these weird geometric eldritch monstrosities that are coming okay, I'm from space. Astral Chain right now, and I swear that whole plot is lifted from uh, <laughs> Evangelia. Just change the words around. Yeah, is... <laughs> like it is a big deal that show. I don't, I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you joined that organization in the first one, but it's definitely. But there's definitely one of those around. So maybe it's just. I don't know. Maybe maybe a bunch of RPGs since 2000 have been ripping off Evangelion. I'm, I mean, Ava's a- Ava's influence is far and wide reaching. But yeah, yeah really. Um, but so yeah, they, they got two Devil Survivor games. I think it's cool that they changed it into a tactic series. I yeah, I'd love for them to get more. Oh yeah, yeah, another one of those would be great. Although mm-hmm. it, they would have to call it something different now because we can't do the DS alliteration that was so famous. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the deadly shadows, dual strike uh, nonsense. Dawn of Sorrow. Hey, Dawn of Sorrow. Let's talk about Castlevania next. Yeah, Castlevania's oh, awesome. Yeah, there were some yeah. great Castlevanias on the DS. Yeah, the, Order we, of Ecclesia is one of my favorites. Yeah, we we had a pretty good run of those uh, Igarashi Castlevania games in the GBA and, and DS. The, the first GBA one wasn't him, but I sort of concluded in the lineup anyway. Uh, however, you number them, we had a uh, we had three Castlevania games in the DS that were all at least pretty good. I mean, my favorite's probably Order of Ecclesia, but uh, just because Shinoa's a boss and you actually get more than one setting in that game. But but they're all pretty good. I mean, I mean, Portrait of Ruin does the Mario sixty four jumping into paintings thing to in, to artificially inflate the size of the space you explore. But mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, all, all three of those are good. And um, I don't know how hard they are to find anymore. I don't think I think Order of Ecclesia is fairly easy to find. Like I, I thought, last I checked, at least I still see copies floating around used game stores. I'm not not so sure about the other two. I think I think they might have been on the Wii U. Um, eShop, but you know, oh, your yeah, mileage maybe. may vary on that one. Yeah, they, they did have uh, DS games appear on that thing uh, a couple times. Yeah, it was a, the emulation they used was a little wonky because basically you'd have like the bottom screen on the touchpad, and then or, or and then the main screen was like on the television. I don't know. It was kind of bizarre. Oh, really? 
<laughs> yeah, you had to do some real like fourth dimensional like it was like like remember Star Fox Zero? It was like that. We were going from gamepad to TV, gamepad to TV, like all the time. I'm so sad that Star Fox Zero failed as a concept. I wanted it to come back. They even had good Star Fox game on the on the DS. I know that's totally oh. out of our wheelhouse right now, but I mean, it is, was, that, is, that, is, that, is that Star Fox Assault? C- Command. Oh, Command. Command. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's only one good Star Fox game, and it was for the N64. <laughs> oh, that one's hard to beat. But the uh, but sticking back to Castlevania, uh, the, the dual screen functionality. Uh, Mostly was just having a map on the on the opposite screen for you, uh, you like you did map and menu stuff on the on the bottom screen, but uh, like there was the weird glyph, glyph drawing system in uh, in Dawn of Sorrow, and I, th- but but yeah, like I, I think you could probably do that more easily than some other DS games on the Wii U emulation because there because. Uh, like it, it wasn't a deeply dim, deeply dual screen interactive game the way the world ends with you was. Yeah, I, I really liked the run of Castlevania games on DS, and that was sort of like the last gasp of those um of those two D ones. If you don't count Harmony of Despair on a uh, on digital systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah, Har- Harmony of Despair is a it, it was an earnest multiplayer attempt that didn't really work. I played it and had a few, you know, a few good nights with it, and then yeah, I ditched it. God, it's hard to believe that was already so long ago. Yeah, that had that was, to be. A, and then that was we got weirdly really experimental. Ago. They did the Castlevania fighting game, which was just a bit of a disaster. Yeah, Castlevania Judgment, which has some pretty, oh boy, some pretty excellent oh. remixes of Castlevania music, but some yeah. character designs that were awful and gameplay that was somehow worse. I, I own a copy of that game. What sucks is I love that artist uh, Takeshi Obata. He did right? Death Note. He did Hikaru mm, yeah. Nogo. All this yeah. good stuff. And then Simon Belmont looks like White Yagami with a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing him on the cover like that, and, you know, you go from the really kind of formal and regal designs from the previous games to that, and it's just like, ooh. Hey, they hey, swung and they missed. Hey, hey, Sakurai, can you license that out as a skin for Simon in Smash, in Smash <laughs> Ultimate? <laughs> just for the lulls. <laughs> Now I'm I, glad I remember they, that... what, like people wanted them to do that for the Mega Man. Oh no, they had a uh, the like junkie Mega Man in one of the in Street Fighter versus Tekken. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, in Street Fighter in, yeah. Street, in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, you there was uh, um, box art Mega Man was a character. <laughs> oh yeah, and, uh, and 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 so was so was uh, Pac Man riding like a little mecha suit, like a Magitek armor or something. That, oh, that, that my game goodness. was that game was not a high point of Capcom fighting games. Let's just say. Uh, there, there, there was were a, few... a really weird uh, limbo moment for a few developers, I think, around that era too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole of... Jap- the whole Japanese game industry kind of went through a weird bit yeah. in the mid two thousands. Yeah, that would have that would have been late two that would have been late two thousands, early twenty tens. When when Street Fighter Cross Tekken came out, but yeah, Capcom was still figuring Where's stuff out. Where's Tekken X Street Fighter Capcom? We're still uh, waiting. People still <laughs> ask Harada about that, and he and he's. I don't think he's allowed to say they aren't working on it anymore. But, right. But it, whatever. Akuma is in Tekken Seven, and so is Geese Howard and Noctis somehow. So, and Negan. Don't forget Negan. And... Oh, I've already forgotten Negan. <laughs> oh come on, he's Je- he's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> that that show stopped being good like four seasons ago. It's not a good no, it's not a good show, but he's a great actor. <laughs> there were some good uh, Mega Man RPGs on the DS, right? The Star Force series. Those yeah. were uh, mm, were those good? <laughs> well, they have their perfectly fans. adequate 
They have their fans. They they were not as nearly as good as Battle Network. Yeah, they were kind of disappointing follow ups. They, they, they were ba- yeah, they were follow ups to Battle Network, and um, I, I was under the impression that Battle Network was much much more well liked than Star Force. I I tried a bunch of Mega Man games on the DS. Uh, uh, the Star Force games and um, ZX and ZX Advent, and I was pretty disappointed by all of them. But I'm but I'm a Mega Man snob, so I don't I, maybe I'm not the best source for this. Yeah, no, I like his design on the, in those games, but uh, what the Star Force in Star Force? Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like how Mega Man looks in that game. And I think oh, I get... has really good designers, even when I don't think they're a big hit. They just know what they're doing. And I think that, wasn't that game sort of a triple tiered, triple tiered with its versioning. Like instead of having a red version and a blue version, they had three versions of stuff. Yeah, I think they did. That, that which is weird, right? It's like, oh yeah, you're gonna get you get I the d- complete experience. You have to buy the game three times. Aww. Well, okay, huh. that's very uh, Fire Emblem Fates of them. But the uh, <laughs> but uh. I yeah I haven't. Uh... <laughs> That's a good I, I I I didn't go too far into those just enough to be disappointed and then and then give away my copy or try to sell back my copy. But let's talk about a classic character adapted into RPGs but much more successfully. Uh there were two Mario RPGs on the DS. Uh they were both follow-ups to Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga for the for the GBA. And uh the first one was Partners in Time and it was okay and the second one was Bowser's Inside Story and that one was excellent. So Oh yeah. Uh, unsurprising. I really want to get the 3DS one of that so yeah. badly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Superstar Saga and Bowser's Inside Story got 3DS remakes, and Partners in Time didn't, and no one complained. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part, you could argue that Partners in Time needs the fixes the most, <laughs> but uh, I didn't think it, uh, that was that much effort. I would say that'd be a lot of work to make that game fun. <laughs> uh... Yeah, what was it, the big issue with it? Like, was well, it just uh, it's too complicated? It's too complicated. Yeah, they they, uh... they overcomplicated it in that in Superstar Saga had sort of everything be controlled by A and B with with one brother to each button and okay. in the uh in Partners in Time you also have Baby Mario and Baby Luigi riding piggyback and their mm. con- their actions are all controlled with X and Y so you're controlling four characters at once and each of them have their own button and sometimes mm. it gets a little too complicated yeah on uh, paper it sounds like a good idea but in execution it was just a lot more inputs than you wanted to be making. Yeah, it felt um, and- awesome in Superstar Saga and just like too much of Partners in Time. But the the one part of Partners in Time that was awesome was that the two brothers and two babies fight a boss battle against Bowser and Baby Bowser. And um uh and it's that battle's like the best implementation of all of their <laughs> of of all of these mechanics and it's sort of adorable that Bowser and Baby Bowser don't realize they're the same person. <laughs> Like baby Bowser uh, just thinks that Bowser's a big jerk, and Bowser thinks baby Bowser's just a little jerk. But it's, <laughs> it's a little jerk. Yeah, it's, Bowser, it's, Bowser it's Junior's parent. Bowser Junior's like parentage is the greatest mystery of the Mario universe. No arguments here. <laughs> what did Peach do? do? Do we don't? Well, the answer is either Bowser or someone else is the mother. Um, we know Princess Daisy was born from an egg, according to a nineteen early nineties movie. Yeah, we also know oh, the right. brothers are from Brooklyn, according to uh, uh, Mario. Mario is missing. <laughs> so, and Mario's full name is Mario Mario. This rabbit hole goes really deep, oh, and yeah, we can't Peter. ask Bob Hoskins anymore. Yeah, Peter, you and I, uh, you and I, even recorded the podcast. We did determine that the 1993 Super Mario Brothers film is the best Super Nintendo RPG. It absolutely Ooh. is. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> With um, that star power, I could totally see that. Available now for Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Subscribe today. Um, 
But, this uh, is in no way a sponsored podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I wish it was. I'd, I'd love to get paid for all the hours that I put into this thing. Right. I but love the, when we get accused of it too. I'm just like, I wish. People accuse of us of taking money. It's like, really, please, someone, we can get money somehow. Yeah. I, abso- I absolutely can be bought. If like, uh, like, like I don't know. Like, this could be a Jimmy John's podcast if they give me one sandwich a week until further notice. <laughs> Oh, God, I've had enough Jimmy John's just for my entire life. <laughs> well, guess what? I haven't. So Jimmy John's balls in your court. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, both, of those, both of those DS games were pretty good. Uh, again, Bowser's Inside Story is, uh, is much more fun than Partners in Time. You yeah. jump inside Bowser and, like, punch his pituitary gland to turn him into a giant and then have giant Bowser fights. And the, the, the humor is pretty hysterical in those yeah. games with all, all the Globins. And uh, Peter, your boy Fawful, is prom- yes. features prominently in that game. Yeah, Fawful, the, the greatest video game character ever conceived by humans. Um, Obviously. Fawful, I love him so much. He's RPG, so fun. RPG villains, Fawful. <laughs> Coming soon. Uh, one game I didn't think we talked about last time was the Professor Layton series. That's right. Um, I haven't played any of those. Oh, oh, oh boy, them. Peter. Oh, boy. I um, haven't either. Well, okay. They're the exact thing I needed them to be, and they're perfect for it. They have they're... a gorgeous style, and it's just a puzzle, a big old puzzle visual novel kind of game. And also, the the professor is a true gentleman in a world of people claiming to be gentlemen they are not. Uh, it's so true. Um, yeah. I, there's um, there's six Professor Professor Layton main series games plus an anime movie that that actually ties into the sixth game amazingly, <laughs> but the uh, uh, but the first four of them were on DS. And uh, it's sort of two trilogies. There's the first trilogy, and then the second, then the fourth DS game, and two 3DS games make the second trilogy. And they recently uh, are bringing it back with these uh, Catriel games, where she's the president, uh, the professor's niece, I think. But uh, remaining in the DS world, those first three Professor Layton games are awesome. They are all three of them have great stories yeah, too. The like stories, a big overarching mystery to solve. They're all far fetched, but there's a lot of fun. Yeah, in they're completely insane. Like imagine, imagine a Scooby Doo plot going to unbelievable like steampunk technology lengths, and then you're starting. I love to, it's, yeah, you're starting it's, to get uh, an idea. imitation French animation. Yes, it, it, yes, yeah, it's, it's imitation, imitating the sort of very um. Oh, you know, like like very sort of rounded edges, warm colors, French animation, like uh, like triplets of Belleville or something. Yeah. But it's but it, it it just looks really gorgeous. It's developed by Level Five, who do a lot of good work and a lot of good animation. But uh, those first three Professor Layton games, uh, Curious Village, um, Curious Village, Diabolical Box, and Unwound Future. Unwound, yeah, Unwound Future. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, the third one's my, Un- Unwound Future is my favorite. I actually. It's the best. I, it's yeah, hard I, too. The puzzles I, in that one yeah, stumped me a lot. Oh my! The puzzles yeah. get consistently harder with each game. It's it's a little unfair. By the time you get to the fifth or sixth one, you're just like, <laughs> no oh, game makes. Oh my god. Spend like half an hour on a puzzle only to find out like it was a trick question. Yeah, and, and like or oh. the, just the, the the sliding puzzles in there get borderline waterboarding oh. at times. Oh my god! Oh god! And they tell you like how many minimum moves you can it's do like, it in. It's like, um, you, it's like you could do this in seven moves if you're not an idiot. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a seven. Yeah, moves. the amount of times I got the hints, I, I was starting to make myself sad. Like, mm-hmm. oh jeez. Yeah, yeah, I you, just want to know what the diabolical box is. You do get coins um, that you that you find, and you can use the coins to unlock hints. And sometimes. One or two hints is exactly what I need to do a puzzle, but sometimes yeah. it's just like I'm, I'm going to go oh. onto the Professor Layton blog that has every step m- mapped out for me. Uh, but yeah, those games are great. Uh, I, I want Professor Layton in Smash. Unironically, I, I think he, oh, that'd he be so cool. Yeah, he'd, he'd be a really cool choice. And uh, and just like I, I don't know, between the the characterizations and the animation and the voice acting, it, it's a very cuddly game in a good way. Like it just, yeah. it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Oh. 
There, Can and I still talk about pretty mature things? Like, there's this sort of weird kind of heartbreaking sadness almost in each of the games. Mm, yes. I can't describe that, but I, like, I swear they have moments that will really, really tug at your heart. There, there's moments of, like, you, you sort of look at the plot of the game, which goes, which, and the plots always take completely absurd paths, but then you think of the profound loneliness or, the, or like, the deep, or, like, the heart behind a certain character, and you're just like, oh, oh man, this is, this is sad. This is tragic. And oh, and I didn't even think mention the the seventh latent game. There's a latent versus uh, Phoenix Wright game for the 3DS. Oh right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh right, wasn't indeed. That wasn't that one? Wasn't that one not very good? It's okay. It's, um, it's pretty good. It does neither of their thing the best. Yes, it, uh, but uh, it's still okay. a really cool mashup. Yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. It does both of their things, but neither of them as successfully as the base games. And uh, um, and the witch trials that replace the Phoenix Wright uh, lawyer segments have Professor Layton puzzly parts to them, which is interesting, but uh, but again not as good as the original Layton trilogy, which I think is a real the the real standout are those first three Layton games. Although right. I like I liked the sixth one as well. The uh, Azran Legacy was a good cap off to the series, but uh, those first yeah, three those the 3DS first did good for that one. Yeah, the 3DS was good on those on those, and the animation. And they get even like better. even like a professional like some sort of like professional puzzle maker or something like that. Some, yeah, no, uh, well, no, there's a legendary Japanese puzzle maker who's been writing puzzle children's books for decades or something, and he's the so and, and he's he's the puzzle he's the puzzle maestro for the whole series since the beginning. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I'd have, I'd have to look up his name, but it was like the original news bite in 2005 or whatever uh, was. Oh, some famous Japanese puzzle maker is teaming up with Level Five to make a puzzle game for the DS, and it ended up being we're like maybe ten titles in now. I've lost count. Like, uh, I love puzzles, so Layton is basically everything I want. Like, if I had a stripper name, it'd be Puzzles, you know? Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, that's a quote. I'm reporting that out of context. Okay, I'm, 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 definitely, I'm definitely not cutting that from the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so um, uh, so Puzzles, what's another item on this list that we should, we should talk oh, about? Oh, we could always mention the actual, like, Phoenix Wright games. Oh, that's that true, yeah. That we into. We, I almost, those were all fantastic. <laughs> I almost did segue into, and then I, I now let's re-segue into them. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a four Ace Attorney game, main series Ace Attorney games in the DS, plus the first Miles Edgeworth game uh, worldwide, and the second one Japan only. And uh, the creator of Ace Attorney also did a pretty cool DS adventure game called Ghost Trick, uh, oh, uh, sort of sort of in between some of the big Ace Attorney releases, but. Uh, and, and we should mention the first three Ace Attorney games, uh, which are Gyakuten Saiben in Japan, uh, Comeback Courtroom or Turnabout Courtroom. They were originally GBA games. They got remade with a lot of good touchscreen interface for the DS. They're basically adventure games with lawyer puzzles, and they are so much fun. I, I love them. I, I I don't think there's really a bad it's one. It's got such a dorky it's sense of humor. Like, it's so fun, yeah. Yeah, like, like the, the snappy reactions animations and the sense of humor and the i really... love the way the screen shakes because everybody's always yelling mm-hmm. in that game so the fact they actually oh, found yeah. a good visual way to represent that is so fun to read things uh yeah Tak takashi Mike did an ace attorney movie um yeah. based on the basically the first four cases of the first and game it's awesome it's it's, it's completely it's completely insane but where it loses something is that we're like we're uh like Phoenix Wright is always sweating and and like in despair, and people are doing these insane reactions. They don't have the same impact with real actors. It's just the the Phoenix Wright actor just looks constipated whenever he's despairing, <laughs> whenever he's yeah. just despairing about a decision. But in, in well, it's the... the whole thing with like Disney doing Lion King, right? Like the cartoons are just so much more exp- uh, expressive. Oh boy, yeah. I, I don't want to talk about Disney remakes on a podcast. Uh... 
I, I love the Ace Attorney series. We did a whole podcast episode on it last year, uh, bringing back uh, music staff Stephen and, and Bridget for that episode. That was a lot of fun talking to them. But yeah, but these games are so funny and snappy and have a unique tone and some really banging music. Usually, uh, the final case really does manage to make you pretty tense. Like the, they, the drama, yeah. yeah, the final case they really of every bring game, out their game yeah, guns, yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazing drama in the in the finale to each of those games every time. Even the the ones that I think are sort of below average, like the first Apollo Justice game, which is Ace Attorney <gasps> Ace Attorney Four, is I think sort of okay, maybe below average for the first few cases. But then the final case, I love, I love anyway. Apollo Justice. But the final case yeah. is amazing. I, I like. I think the final case annihilates the rest of that game. Yeah, that, that one is really good. I don't, I, yeah, I never understand why people really hate on Apollo Justice. I even love Hobo Phoenix. Like he's. So I love cool. Hobo Phoenix. <laughs> I, I think Ace Attorney Four is below is below average, except for the Clavier Brothers in the final case. But I but love but, him. but all, I love all of these are good. Guitaring. Yeah yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's is that one is that one Christoph or? That's or Christoph. Yeah yeah. yeah they're, they're, it's two lawyer brothers. One of whom is a rock star, and one of whom is an evil mastermind. It's it's pretty great, <laughs> um, but the yeah the Ace Attorney games are great. But I think maybe which I one game I like maybe even more than all uh, seven of those is uh, Ghost Trick. Same, it never got the love it deserved. I, I adore oh. Ghost Trick. It's by the Ace Attorney creator, and it's about a a poltergeist who um solves murders and pre- uh, who prevents other murders from happening by by doing poltergeist tricks to save people from you know uh, from gunshots or discovery by an attacker or something. And it's we, uh, we say yeah we say it every time. But if you own a pet, you have you owe it to yourself yes. to play this game. The, the, it is available on mobile. Um, I think it's, it might be available to more than just DS by now. I'm not sure. I'd have to I'd have to do some extra research. But that uh, but there is like yeah, uh, pet owners is, is a must play for pet owners because there's a very very good dog named uh, named Missile in this game, and also a very good cat that you that's in the second part of the game. But uh, it's it, it is an unusually yes, it's uh, on iOS, so yeah. yes, everyone okay. can and should cool. play it. Cool, and that's good, and it's smart that it's. I bet it would be great on iPad because there's a lot yeah. of really really clever touchscreen interface in this game. But yeah, you're basically a, poltergle- a poltergeist trying to solve your own murder and prevent other murders from happening. And it has an unbelievable tone and sense of humor that that that, that fits with the Ace Attorney games. But it's 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 its own unique brand of that, and it's again like it's a, like a top three DS game for me. I adore Ghost Trick. It's a must play. The animations are so much fun too like oh they had God. a great time animating every aspect of that there, again it's got that uh, low poly 3d but it's so good there's these two uh cops that do comedy routines and and <laughs> the the one exaggerated cop has unbelievable animations i like i and uh and just the way people like hang up the phone or or yeah like or, it'll or slam and bounce a bit right yeah exactly like everything has to slam and bounce <laughs> like, like all simple movements and animations just have sort of big impact in this game that one detective dude he does like a swinging move every time he comes in yeah and he, scarf whips around him yeah too. yeah he like he like moonwalks into scenes and does some like michael jackson moves and uh <laughs> and it, like it gives his uh it, like says what the his solution is and then moonwalks out it's it's great it, it's a really really stylish cool game with really unique puzzles i should replay that thing because i only i've only played ghost trick once and i and i just don't want to ruin any part of the experience by re-examining any of it but i uh, whatever ghost trick is amazing and maybe the best game we've talked about on this whole podcast so far <laughs> uh, so, speaking so, of preventing deaths oh, what man. about preventing nine and or eight deaths Oh, in, in nine, nine hours. 
nine 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 is freaking brilliant. Yeah, we did. We did I love nine nine nine. We did two episodes on nine 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 last year. It was a tremendous amount of fun, and that game is awesome. I'm I'm really glad that you can get it almost on almost any platform now. There's a there's a, a PS4, PC, and mobile and mobile versions of nine 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 now. I think they're fortunately keeping that game alive on as many platforms as possible. Yeah, they've it's... even tweaked it. Like they've added voices in like uh, high quality That's right. models. I think. Yeah, the, the Sony version had better had better models and voice work, while the DS version had no voice work, and it's just an amazing visual novel. Holy crap! And and the follow up Virtue's Last Reward, which was on 3DS and Vita, and now oh and now other systems, might even be better. They're, like that's that a game series. when you finish it, your jaw is just kind of hanging there. Well, I had <laughs> like, I had to process it. Like I had yeah. to lie down and think about it. Like I was just like, oh. I think they might still have it, but I think uh, Spike Chunsoft still has like a massive Q and A with Uchikoshi just to kind of break down like literally everything that he's thought about for it. So so yeah, it starts you off in like a a sinking bunker or something, and basically after that, the whole the entire plot just never actually stops, and it's very strange. Um, it's got great, uh, like, pseudoscience, a lot of fun puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the characters great are all characters. very intricate. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. all a little bit screwed up, too, so it's kind of fun to see how everyone devolves in a, in a literally sink or swim situation. The way the plot just <laughs> escalates is so great, because, like... Oh, God, yeah. It, it, it knows off, how to throw yeah. creepy stuff at you, too. It does. Oh, yeah, no, like, there are moments in that game that are legitimately shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Virtue's left, Last Reward like gave me like chills a few times for that kind of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, absolutely. Like, there's a, yeah, there's a few moments where, or like a few of the, it's a multi-branching ending thing, and like a few of the endings just leave you on the biggest downer. Oh, yeah. The, oh, the, yeah. The, the knife ending and the axe ending are real dark. Oh, that and axe there's... ending was just awesome and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you were talking, you, know, you mentioned moments that are a little grisly. Uh, like, there's just... I mean, one of the characters on the cover is murdered in the first hour of the game, yeah. and uh, and there's moments of like discovering bodies and just some really chilling scenes. Yeah, there really is some like some real. There are several body discovery moments. Yeah, they're all just freaky and weird. Dun 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 dun. dun. Oh god. The, the, the music, music in is yeah. dope, and I, I I found out this recently, but it's the same guy who did like the the in game music for uh, Xenosaga Two. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah, he's uh he's upped his game since then a lot. <laughs> uh, Audrey, you usually finished uh playing AI, right? Yes. Which, yeah, same thing. It it kind of left give you gives you a lot to process, I think. Yes, it does. I'm not sure it's if I can say does. more. Yeah, I don't no, know if we can talk okay, about but... this now, but I'm excited but, like, for it. This for is AI. just what Uchikoshi does. So if you're looking for the, like, especially mm-hmm. for people who do play for story, like there is a really good one here, and if people keep bragging about it. Please take them up on it and just see why. Yeah, Zero Time Dilemma is a... It's a third game. <laughs> now, now I'm mad it, it at is, it is, it is very fun in the moment, and I think you should play it if you enjoyed the other two, but it is not as good. I'm trying no, to remember... I'm trying to remember it's nice his... to put a wrap on everything. And again, it still had a few of those like chillingly awful moments where I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh my god. Oh yeah, no, I had moments where I legitimately like yelled, like, what the bleep out at something. But, um, and it was like 3 a.m., so that was probably not fortunate for everyone around me. I was staying up really late to finish that game. I, but, uh, I have stayed up late to finish each of those games. For whatever reason, it always seems to happen very late at night, and the uh-huh. endings are all really creepy, and so then I'm just kind of sitting there in bed with my eyes open thinking about Oh, that's the best atmosphere. That's the best time to play, like, spooky Yeah. Games. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so that, when I finished my first run of, uh, of Man of, Man of M- Madan recently, and that game too, same deal. It's just like... Oh, well, this is spooky, and it's 2 p.m., and 
2 a.m. I mean, and I might as well just finish this. <laughs> Do those things on a beautiful, like on a beautiful Sunday morning. I need it to be night and evil looking outside. The atmosphere has to fit. Yeah, hit yeah. all the lights. I could never watch Hannibal in the daytime. It has to be like spooky and nighttime outside. Yeah, it enhances the atmosphere show. to play to play those games in the dark. Whether it's survival horror or you know visual novel horror, like a, I wouldn't call nine 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 visual novel horror, but it's it's visual novel puzzle with some sci fi horror elements. There's it's, yeah, definitely th- horror thr- elements, th- thriller elements maybe. But you know, speaking uh, speaking of visual novels, uh, there was two really good ones released on the DS. But I've only played the first one. Uh, Audra, I think you you mentioned to me you played both, uh, Hotel Dusk and Last Window. Yes. Oh, I love right. I, I I love Hotel Dusk, especially for the like the hand drawn art and for uh, and for the really cool noir story and good puzzles, and also that you have to hold the DS sideways like a book. <laughs> yeah, it has so some really cool. good elements to it. I when that game came out, I really really loved it. Uh, the central mystery is is great. The, the characters have a lot of personality. I had a, a lot of fun playing that, and I was sure that it was going to be just a golden age of adventure games on the DS. Uh, for years and I years. I genuinely move on from like studios closing down, but I don't move on from Sing closing down because I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer that they that they aren't around in the same form as they were for these two games. But uh, um, I-, I loved Hotel Dusk, and Last Window was a it's sequel. Got that like awesome kind of gritty, you know, eighties detective noir style. You know, right. it's mm-hmm. it's got your ex cop with a mystery that he never solved, and it, it takes all the tropes but it puts them together in a very nice package. Yeah, Kyle Hyde is just a great character, and he's the he's the main character of both Hotel Dusk and Last Window. And in, in, it's in the really in the, fun to watch, be miserable to everybody. Yeah, in, in, in the first one, I mean, he's definitely grumpy, and he's uh, searching. He's basically following a lead uh, from his part uh, from his former detective partner, who's who disappeared who disappeared years ago, and that uncovers this like uh, sort of like an art theft art uh, art conspiracy. Uh, which is the which is central to Hotel Dusk, and then in Last Window, he's basically following the same trail. But but I haven't played Last Window. It did not get a North American release. It did get a European release in English, though. So it's a very very logical import. Uh, Audra, did you import it? Yes, I did. Oh wow! So, yeah, it was pretty good. Quite liked I love that one. Yeah, I thought it was like, a good follow up. Yeah, I, I think it basically like ninety five percent wraps everything up at least. So they they there was still a little bit of open room at the end, which I don't know. Yeah. I gotta I gotta check prices on that thing because I I, am, I would be I genuinely that. interested in revisiting it. Yeah, um, I, I think I mentioned it last time too, but I do love the style that they did for all the characters and how they got it to look so realistic. Was that they actually hired actors to to pose and model and they just rotoscoped right on top of it? Yeah, they, they rotoscoped it like the. Uh, <laughs> so everything feels very like lifelike in the gestures and movements, and it kind of helps you absorb it in a little bit better uh, since it is supposed to be a real life, you know, kind of modern day Earth story. That reminds me a little bit of the of the movie Waking Life, which is a uh, which is Richard Linklater, who's a you know a very fam- a very well regarded director, so who yeah. and basically the entire movie is just interviews and and dialogues between people mm-hmm. uh, who performed it in live action and then had it animated over with rotoscoping. Uh, it, it's it's a really really awesome awesome movie. Um, and uh, and Steven Soderbergh and Ethan Hawke and uh, a bunch of people are are in the are actors in it. But one actor who I don't want to mention is now a uh, a very very unpleasant political activist, <laughs> which is which is really weird. It's like this guy was in was in Waking Life. I love Waking Life. Who the who, what the hell's going on? Uh, the rotoscope animation in Hotel Dusk looks really great, and with the sort of pencil drawn animation over it, looks looks awesome. I I love that game. Yeah, yeah. 
So we're near, we're near the end of the list here. What else do we want to definitely talk about before we close up? We got to mention Radiant Historia before we go. Ooh, and Golden yes. Sun, Dark Dawn. I swear to God, I think I'm the only person who really liked that game. The, well, that game, I mean, okay, that, that does not have as nearly as much good story stuff as the first two Golden Sun games, but it does preserve the... Uh, the, uh, the yeah the, the very I was going I was going I was going to say heavy puzzle heavy dungeons which I know is something you love, um, but it's I, don't I just know. told you my stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, puzzles. Okay, uh, Dark Dark Dawn. I I, I I didn't finish Dark Dawn. Um, I I thought the I thought that the Golden Sun games were pretty good. Maybe a little overrated. There's a, there's a reason I didn't want to be on the Golden Sun podcast a year ago, <laughs> but the uh, but Dark Dawn even felt like it had I don't know less interesting characters than those the first two. I mean, it, it does have pretty good puzzles in those dungeons, but I mean, it gives you fully fledged like RPG, 3D RPG, and I think they did a really good job nailing that down. Um, and it's got the the mind reading skill again. So I mean, yeah, that's goes. right. Uh, they also um, the last big Final Fantasy Tactics game came out on the DS, didn't it? Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics A two was a was a DS game. It it stars uh, Russo or Luso, who Luso, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think, I, think okay. I, I think they meant to say Russo, but ended up ended up landing on Luso. <laughs> but and, mm-hmm. and and he's also a, a side character in the War of the Lions remake of Final Fantasy Tactics. And um, a, a lot of people really like Final Fantasy Tactics A two, but I I uh, I was I don't know why I didn't get to it. I guess I was playing other stuff at the time. I haven't it's, played it. I haven't played a single. It, it doesn't have quite the same like emotional gut punch the first Tactics to, uh, Advance has. Yeah. But um, it's it, mechanically it's a pretty improved sequel. Mm-hmm. And it has it has the race and job system that's you know in those Evil East games that's uh that's pretty good a lot of the time that mm-hmm. that was my, like job tinkering was my favorite part of Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I love mm-hmm. the Gladiator class. That was a, a sort of a hard hitting Amalja and Human class, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, sounds right. I'm, I have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Strange Journey. I don't think we talked about that one. Oh, yeah, we talked about Devil Survivor, but not Strange Journey. Uh, that also that had a reason. That was so cool and weird, too. My God, yeah. there's cool and weird games on that system. But, yeah, that one is phenomenal. Yeah, I love the fact that they, like, basically, like, took huge cues from John Carpenter's The Thing and made a Mega Ten game out of it. And yes. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty it's, incredible. Yeah, it's straight up set at a research lab in, in Antarctica. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they did a really good job, like, kind of building up that entire world, though, and, you know, kind of all the characters, all Shin Megami Tensei games are really good at that one, but I don't know, Strange mm-hmm. Journey basically aptly describes it. Yeah, you have to put on, like, the like, demon thing that comes with you. Yeah, and you have to put on, like, anti-demon hazmat suits to jump yeah. into a portal that's that appeared in this uh, research station in Antarctica, and it's it's a little dungeon crawly compared to, even compared to other dungeon crawly uh, SMT games, but it's it's... It's a really good version of one of those. I I haven't played it very much. I only played the beginning of the original mm-hmm. DS version, but it's quite. It, it definitely has its fans. Was the 3DS yeah. remake of that one any good? Anyone play that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, I got asked... the new ending. Okay, I asked because um the 3DS version of another Atlas DS game I really enjoy, Radiant Historia, is terrible. Um, oh. Well, ter- ter- okay, terrible's overstating it. I think it, the you new said content... It just kinda, like, it took a pretty cool, ambiguous ending and kind of really, really neatly tied it up. Yeah. yeah. With a magical girl. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 basically Atlas is, Atlas is magical girl. Yeah. Which is their favorite trope. They do it in every single one of their re-release games. Yeah, they had one in Strange Journey, too. Uh, every single time, I don't get it. I but, want um, a magical boy. 
Soul Hackers already had a magical girl in it, so the remake yeah. didn't need yeah. to add one. And it had a dolphin. Yes, Soul, Soul Hackers is weird. Shout out to Rob Fenner, who's a who's Soul Hackers. Best thing one about fan. Soul Hackers is the opening. It does have a cool opening. I thought I thought I, like I thought Nemissa was really cool in that game. I like yeah. Nemissa. Yeah, yeah, like 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 she's a cool character, but the whole, the rest of the game is like isn't a quite fully formed SMT game yet. Uh-huh. Uh But it, but it's not bad. But the the rating of Historia remake did some character design changes that I don't appreciate. But uh, but 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 the basic the, the base game of what Radiant Historia is is a pretty great time travel RPG. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's kind of got this like kind of politically political intrigue, morally gray plot that I really enjoy. It, it's one of the better examples of an ap- apocalyptic storyline in JRPGs because the world is literally ending, turning to sand, and people are at war for the remaining resources. And the main character is basically an assassin and it's pretty cool like it's a neat it's a neat setup and the music has got this great like it's a shimamura score it's one of my favorites it's got this great like melancholy tone yeah the original rating historia on ds is like one of the best games on the system it's highly highly recommended i love that three by three battle system too the way you can push pull enemies yeah you you put them all at the same time exactly you push pull enemies together until they're all like in just one giant ball of monsters and then you and then you nuke that ball by dragging them into a trap or zapping them with a special attack it's it's a really unique mechanic and and the main character isn't even that powerful. He's just good at push pulling into his much stronger allies' attacks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I liked him too neat. as a lead. Like he was actually mm-hmm. a very competent and smart character. And yeah, story. sometimes I don't know why. Sometimes for a while, games really lost their teeth with their protagonists. They were just like the dumb, naive, kind of happy. Yeah. What do you mean? Kid, what do you mean? A while ago? It's, it's still it's still yeah. going on. It's like in a way yeah. to ma- in a way of making the main character non threatening or. Uh, or likable, they make him sort of toothless and goofy. But but Stock yeah. was a uh, was like he was a soldier and he was capable and he was you know a sort of get stuff done kind of guy, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's actually it's a game a- too with a very solid script. Like it does mm-hmm. have a few quotable moments. Mm-hmm. I I should replay that thing because I don't think I ever got the the best ending in the DS version. But I kind of don't want to replay it on 3DS because I've heard the ha- I've heard about some of the negative changes it makes. Yeah, and I, I mean, and, I, and again, I don't like yeah. the redesigns. I, yeah, it's one of those, I've been torn about picking up the remake myself, but, like, I know what happens. You can buy the original art as, like, a, as, for, like, two bucks. What? But it only only changes it in the dialogue portraits, not in the menus. Huh. Um, Oh, and didn't it come with, like, a bubblegum pop song to... to Yeah, but it has this weird bubble, it it has this weird bubblegum anime intro that does not fit the tone of that game at all. (laughs) The, The happy ending is too... It's too much of a resolution, and um, and I also really don't like. The, and oh, and if you get one of the other endings from the original version, uh, you get a little pop up saying, the, "Well, don't you think you could do better? Do you want to find out the real story?" And I hate that because oh, the ambiguous, oh, yeah. the ambiguous like, ending in the original game is one of the best parts of it. Exactly, that's a, that's a little bit too pointed. Like, like in the movie Clue, at the very end, when it says, "Well, here's how it really happened," and they give you the last ending, that, that's that's funny and satirical. This is not. This is them. This just, is not that type of game. No, this is them. Not really. It's not even signposting. It's it's even like a menu option. Here, here, play the new ending that we made, where everything's happier. It's like, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. It does. It doesn't fit. And like, yeah, there's some new. There are a few little tweaks and balances here and there in Perfect Chronology that will probably make the experience a little easier or more palatable, but I just I think the DS version is cheaper for one thing. 
huh. and easier. It's e- and readily available, so I would I recommend play that version. Yeah, I it's, play that version first. I like the art more. It's yeah. good, and, and, it, and oh. it's a it's a good time travel story because I don't know if we've, if we've even mentioned this yet. It's a lot of it is sort of working on two parallel timelines and learning and taking what you learn in one timeline to uh, to fix things in the other timeline and then it and then have things sort of coming together at at the end it's it's I love a, all the bad endings too where it's yeah. like how quickly things a bunch turn of to them. crap if you make the wrong choice <laughs> like like what you don't want to come with me to the grocery store and then like it just sort of snowballs into the end of the world happening anyway it gives you like a quick little dialogue dump <laughs> yeah, it's a it, it's a good time travel story, and uh, I think we'll, let's let's talk about one more game before the end of the ep- before we end the episode with a, a certain other time travel story that you might have heard of. Um, uh, Chrono Trigger had a remake on the DS uh, s- several years ago, and it, it's 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 pretty good. It loads faster than the PS One version. It has a uh, new dialogue for better or for worse, and you can use the cutscenes. Cutscenes, right? Yeah, you can you can turn toggle them on or off if you want to do the NES version with no cutscenes or the PS One cutscenes. Oh, that's neat. I'm such a flick. I don't like those those cutscenes. They they're a bit of a break in the action. Yeah. So like 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 sometimes they're great. Like like uh, the scene of Frog um, cutting open the entrance to Mystic Cave is always is great in both versions. But like I, I no, don't know they if... drive me nuts because it's like the epitome of like '90s anime sound effects. Like literally the stuff you heard in mm-hmm. every single DBC. Episode. I don't know. I kind of lo- I kind of love that though. Like uh, it, it fits well, the Toriyama art in, in the DS version. I also have beef when like an opening intro has sound effects. So like I think I thought it took away from the song a little bit. Well, you can uh, you can switch them on and off and do and do them in. Uh, and I did. However. <laughs> And do them however you prefer in the DS version. And the, the DS it version was the is also... It was the way to play the game for a while, though. And I like yeah. that it included maps and terrible new yeah. content. Yeah. The, oh, the, I, the I like the Chrono Cross tie-in. The, the Chrono I like Cross, that. The Chrono Cross like tie-in is fine. Yeah, no, the, there's, a, uh, there's a new side quest dungeon that was cut from the original version of Chrono Trigger. That, that's where the, uh, the Battle 2 and the Mystic Mountain songs were uh, originally put in. Yeah. Um, and, but that's, and that's okay. Like, maybe not great. But then there's um, some endgame dungeons that are just messy. That uh, they oh shoot, the same company that does all of these remakes always puts in some BS endgame dungeon, and this is not a good version of one of those. Um, it's so long. But it's uh yeah they're they're long and drawn out, and I, I was definitely motivated to find a new final weapon for every character. But it was it was still a slog dealing with all that. But uh, but it, but the um, the even if you have if you're attached to the original Chrono Trigger SNES script like I am, the, the new translation is still good. It's it doesn't and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't unmake the the old game's translation or anything. <laughs> but it's a uh, like for a while it was probably the best way to play Chrono Trigger. And now that the PC version's fixed, maybe that's better. But I'm not sure. It is. It's the definitive way to play okay, again. Yeah. <laughs> the PC version was not the definitive way for a while there. But oh um, yeah. But, oh, Final Fantasy VIII's in that little uh, dugout right now. Oh, oh, people! Oh, people aren't sure what the definitive version of that is because because I mean, the I mean, as of recording this, the uh, uh, that remake has is has only been out for a few days. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll read Alana's review of that. <laughs> my and... croaking, yeah. Let me my croaking uh, yeah. kind of tell you how I think it looks. <laughs> uh, I, I'm but... more concerned about the lack of analog control. That's a whole other thing. Oh, okay. really? All right. Well, if if, it, uh, yeah. if this is the second time we've talked about Final Fantasy VIII on the podcast, and I think the podcast is definitely over. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not that we just get sidetracked so nicely. Curse you, release date proximity. <laughs> now, okay, release date proximity. You say so. Let's spend the next ten minutes talking about Dragon Quest XI for Switch. 
Oh, I'm I'm into it. Let's do it right now. I got I got I have to. I have to. There, there's even there's <laughs> even there's even DS uh, like visual version of that you can unlock. Like you can switch between the 3DS visuals and the PS4 visuals on the Switch version. Which and very, it's awesome. Which I, which I, and I'm very intrigued by that. But uh, we are at the end of the episode. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for uh, hearing us jab about um, DS games for a full 90 minutes. We didn't even get to. Uh, the Tales games on DS, the Etrian Odyssey series, uh, Lunar Dragon Song, clearly the best game we're going to talk about. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's bad. Um, uh, uh, next week we're going to have, well, I should say the next two weeks, we're going to have episodes in Wild Arms 3. I'm going to record the first of those episodes uh, in less than 24 hours, so I'll, I can't tell you how they've gone yet, but we're, um, but uh, th- those are coming very, very soon, and uh, that game, and I've had a lot of fun playing that game for the past few weeks. Uh, so yeah, two episodes on Wild Arms three coming in October. We're gonna have two episodes on Grandia, though uh, I don't even know who's gonna be on those episodes yet. But um, that game had a recent re-release on Switch, and I think an upcoming re-release on PC. I'd have to check schedules for that. I don't know exactly when those episodes are going to be in October, but they will be in October. Uh, and listeners, if you want to um, email to contact us, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. Also, uh, comment on our message boards. Visit RPG Fan's Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter page, Discord channel, Twitch we channel. We're everywhere. We're, you can find us. Basic, uh, there's something streaming on Twitch every day. There's a lot of ways to find us. And Steph, so you're play with us. Yeah, y- yeah. You manage a couple of those social media accounts for us, right? Yes. Uh, usually, if you get uh, responses, it's usually me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Hit us up. Talk to us. We love it. Please, and also listen to our other podcasts, Random Encounter, which is going to be off hiatus very soon, and Rhythm Encounter, which is com- which will be off hiatus eventually um and please review us or any of our podcasts on itunes or google play or however you are listening to us we love all the feedback we can provide and uh thank you panel for joining me on this this was a bit of a struggle to record because of my audio issues a few weeks ago but i I think we've we finally got a good discussion out of this and uh i'm also glad we forgot to talk about kingdom hearts thank you peter (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's okay though days is good coded is bad uh just Watch the cutscenes on the collection. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Um, but, but starting with you, Peter, how can listeners reach us directly? Uh, if you want to reach us to me directly, you can hit me up, uh, Peter T at RPGFan.com, or I'm at I Have Fury on Twitter, just like my homeboy, Fawful. And uh, Steph, how about yourself? Uh, you can reach my personal account. It's on Twitter and a few other places as uh, Dice, like throw, playing Dice, sorry, Dice SMS. Um, take a look. I like drawing pretty pictures, of, and some of those are usually fan art, so of your favorite games. And you are very, you are a very talented artist, and we are extremely lucky Shots. to have you on RPG Fan for real. Uh, and Audra, you may not have a DeviantArt account, but let's. T- but how can listeners reach you? Um, Audra B at RPGFan.com. I don't have a Twitter yet, so oh, you should. <laughs> Uh, no, you sh- no, you shouldn't. Stay out. You shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> Stay away from the hell site. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is a hellscape, but I'm addicted to it so much so that I have two Twitter yeah. accounts. You can find me at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. I am Monsoon Mike on Discord and Monsoon on RPG Fans forums, and I'm. You can email me directly, Solosi at RPGFan.com. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining us, listeners and panelists. Uh, I'm. I mean, I will take any opportunity I possibly can to talk about Ghost Trick. I might even give that thing a dedicated episode that's just me uh, monologuing on Ghost Trick, but we'll see. That's, 
Uh, that won't happen anytime soon. But for now, uh, thank you. Good night and good luck.